getting the C-suite involved in information risk management and defending America's election system. These stories and more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. It's known as RMF, the Risk Management Framework, and the National Institute of Standards and Technology is revising its Risk Management Framework guidance for the first time in seven years. The revision aims to get the C-suite more involved in information risk management decisions that traditionally have been in the bailiwick of the Chief Information and Chief Information Security Officers. The discussion draft of Revision 2 of Special Publication 837 issued this week is known as the Risk Management Framework for Information Systems and Organizations, a System Lifestyle Approach for Security and Privacy. Traditionally, information risk management is implemented at the system level, a couple of rungs below the enterprise level in an organization's information architecture. But as information risk management is becoming a larger part of overall risk management, in fact being integrated with overall risk considerations, procedures need to be developed to get top executives involved in the implementation of IT risk management. Here's the guidance key author, NIST fellow Ron Ross. Senior leaders have a lot on their plates. They deal with a lot of important issues within an enterprise. When you look at security and privacy components of risk management, those are really only two of many things that senior executives have to worry about. There's programmatic risk, there's budget risk, reputation risk. All these things are coming together and have to be dealt with. So the things that we do in the NIST publications that deal with security and privacy are feeding a larger enterprise-wide risk management process where those are fed into and, and are taken into account as you're making those larger, more holistic risk management decisions for the enterprise. Ross and his NIST colleagues found that organizations employing the risk management framework at the systems level didn't communicate well with the C-suite. The revised guidance will attempt to address that problem. All the preparation work that you do at the C-suite is really critical to making the risk management framework more effective when it's implemented and executed at the system level. We added a new step called the organizational preparation step. It's kind of the nerve center, if you will, for RMF execution. And in that prep step, you're going to see things like the organization at the C-suite level required to do a risk management strategy, establish a risk tolerance, define a set of stakeholder needs, mission business needs, and then following on to that, a set of well-defined and clearly articulated security and privacy requirements. One of the major goals of the revision is to integrate privacy concepts into the risk management framework. That involves using the Consolidated Security and Privacy Controls catalog NIST is developing. The unification of security and privacy will, will make the organization more secure and it will also help the organization protect individuals' personal privacy because now we have an integrated approach. There's not going to be a lot of gaps. It'll be working together to achieve a single objective and I think that's really the importance of this update. More than 200 stakeholders will attend a workshop next week where they can furnish their say on how this should revise the risk management framework. Ross says he expects a quick turnaround on final publication of the revised guidance, which could come as early as February. There is a sense of urgency. As you see every day, the cybersecurity breaches continue and people are becoming more and more concerned. They would like to see effective solutions that are going to work and can actually start to make a difference. When we return after this message, we'll hear about adjustments being made by the U.S. federal government to protect America's voting system. 
we notified the systems owners, and that didn't no necessarily notify the right senior officials that need to take action. So that is corrected. This is the ISMG Security Report. ISMG's Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit will take place October 17th and 18th in London. Keynote address will be provided by Phil Reitinger, CEO of the Global Cyber Alliance, followed by other information security leaders discussing hot topics like ransomware, GDPR, insider threat detection, and more. Visit events.ismg.io and register today. Welcome back. An important aspect of breach notification is alerting the right parties who have the authority, and in the case of government, the political authority, to take action. Elaine Duke is acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, and she says DHS evaluated how it reached out to states that it believed Russian government-backed actors hacked voter-related systems. At a Senate hearing this past week, Duke conceded notification that a breach occurred didn't necessarily reach the right state officials. We notified the states uh, back when the uh, intrusion occurred. What we learned from that and what we're correcting is that we notified the systems owners and that didn't no necessarily notify the right senior officials that need to take action. So that is corrected. Each state runs its own election system, even for federal elections. And Duke says DHS has resources available to help those states soliciting aid, but not all states have done so yet. The ranking Democrat on the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, Missouri's Claire McCaskill, asked FBI Director Christopher Wray if the Bureau is ready to fight back against foreign actors who seek to intrude into voting systems in next year's congressional election. Here's what he said. Senator, we're spending an enormous amount of time talking about this very subject. We are surging and more resources specifically focused on the upcoming elections. We are collecting more intelligence. Uh, one of the things we know is that uh, the Russians and other state actors are trying to influence other elections in other countries as well. So that's one of the places where those partnerships have become so important because we can exchange information about tradecraft, methods, capabilities. Uh, we're also in the FBI looking at this uh, as a multidisciplinary effort, not just across agencies, but even within the FBI multidisciplinary. Our counterintelligence and our cyber people are working together on it. Election security isn't just about preventing hacking. Russian-backed trolls employ social media last fall to spread fake news in an attempt to influence the U.S. presidential election. Such trolling continues and could have ramifications in next year's congressional vote. That's a concern expressed at the hearing by Republican Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma. We watched even this weekend the Russians and their troll farms and their Internet folks start hashtagging out take a knee and also hashtagging out boycott NFL. They were taking both sides of the argument this past weekend and pushing them out from their troll farms as much as they could to try to just raise the noise level in America and to make a, a big issue seem like an even bigger issue as they're trying to push divisiveness in the country. We've continued to be able to see that. We will see that again in our election time. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Potential election hacking and social media manipulation, along with breaches at Equifax and the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, have grabbed headlines in recent weeks. But as ISMG security and technology editor Jeremy Kirk reminds us, tried and true credit card breaches continue to plague businesses. 
Fast food chain Sonic Drive-In says it's investigating a possible payment card breach. It says its credit card processor informed it last week about unusual activity on cards used at its stores. Sonic has about 3,500 franchises across the U.S. If verified, Sonic would be the latest large U.S. business to be targeted for payment card fraud. Retailers and other businesses have been hammered by cybercriminals using a variety of techniques to capture card details. Sonic says it's still trying to understand the nature and scope of the issue. It's also hired third-party forensic experts and contacted law enforcement. Cybersecurity journalist Brian Krebs has found cards used recently at Sonic have shown up in a criminal marketplace. The details cost between $25 and $50. We don't know exactly what happened at Sonic, but past breaches of large consumer businesses can give us an idea. Although it's recommended businesses follow the payment card industry's data security standard, it's easy to make a mistake that lets hackers in. There's also third-party risk. Many companies have service agreements that entail remote access to their network for tasks such as updating point-of-sale terminals. John Chrysley is global CISO with network security vendor NetSurian. Typical, and I'm not saying Sonic did this, so this is not placing blame. This is just history tells us these vendors that do remote access, they're sometimes lazy and they want to use the same password across all stores and none of them are secure. Remote access problems is what happened with another fast food chain last year, Wendy's. Hackers gained access credentials to some of Wendy's service providers and then installed malware on point-of-sale systems in more than 1,000 restaurants. And in 2013, the retailer Target lost 40 million car details and 70 million other records after attackers gained access to its network through a vendor that, quite mundanely, installed refrigeration systems. If PCI DSS recommendations are implemented correctly, in theory it should be very difficult to steal payment card details. Robert Capps is Vice President of Business Development at New Data Security. He says that even with diligent PCI, nothing is 100%. He says that despite breaches, many companies in the U.S. still haven't shored up their payments infrastructure. You still have a lot of old-time uh, terminals and, and some storage and forwarding of, of credit card numbers that's still happening at some of these merchants. As with most breaches, we'll eventually learn what happened at Sonic. But it's yet another warning for businesses that handle card data. You're being watched very closely by cybercriminals. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.